Welcome back to season 11, episode 10 of the Digital Orthopedics Podcast, where we bring you the extraordinary lectures from the DocSF Experience 2023. My name is Dr. Stefano Bini, and I will be your host for the podcast. In our next episode, we will hear from actually myself, talking to you a little bit about the history of the conference and where we're thinking of going next. So, hope you enjoy this particular presentation on the DocSF stage. I am now going to talk for a few minutes about DocSF and the evolution of this concept of this conference. 2015, I am at Kaiser Permanente and I meet with Tad Vale, the chairman of our department, and I say, look, I would love to come. Kevin Bozik had left to go and start a huge project in Texas and there was an opening at my alma mater. And I was very, very interested in doing that. But I said, there's two, two things that if I come, I need to work on. One is this idea of digital orthopedics. I actually registered that hashtag. It didn't exist in 2015. I had been working in that space for some time with technology, and I saw this huge wave of innovation coming that was going to completely revolutionize how we interface with our patients, how we do the work that we do. The other was this concept of kinematic alignment. It's interesting idea about how we do knee replacements. In and of itself, it's a small thing, compared to everything else in the world around us. But for me, it was very interesting because as a concept, it challenged the foundation, the keystone of everything we thought was true in the world of knee replacement. It went away from this idea that everybody should be merged to a mean, to an average, to something that is ideal. And instead said there's room for opportunity for a broader way to think about the way we should be doing things. It fits right into this idea that we do in medicine of, of not one way to do things. And he said, fine, that's great. We're an academic institution, go for it. So I said, great, let's move forward. So we spent a year thinking about how to bring digital health to conferences. And I've done a lot of conferences for the academy, for other things. And I said, the only way this is going to work is if we bring together the people that are not talking to each other. If we can actually reach out and get physicians and tech people and venture capitalists and hospital systems to come together in one space. And we said, the only place that actually happens in San Francisco is the JP Morgan conference. So at JP Morgan, we launched the first Doc SF down the street and it was amazing. The conversations that happened were phenomenal. Why? We had four pillars to this concept. One is community. Bring everybody together, the people that don't normally talk to each other and ask them to sit next to each other. You get a CEO of a healthcare system sitting next to a venture capitalist. They've never actually talked to each other, but they're both working in the same system. And what they bring is a different perspective. We've been talking a lot about AI. We've been talking about large language models. And it's all about training the data set. The truth is, the larger the data set you train your brain on, the broader your thought processes are. So the more people you interface with who come from a completely different place than you do, the greater your thought process will be. Then we want to bring the cutting edge technology to our folks. Look, we're in Silicon Valley. Everybody is here. And if the person isn't here who you want to talk to, somebody who does a competitive company is. So we could bring the technology to it. Third pillar was management. And when I was at Kaiser Permanente for 15 years, I cannot tell you how much money they spent on me as a leader to do leadership training. It was incredibly powerful. You cannot have a shiny new object, drop it into a system and expect it to work. It just doesn't. You need to do change management. It turns out this Harvard Business Review published an article a few years ago. I read more of that than I do JBJS. 40% 
of any change management project should go to people. Not the technology, not the hardware, not the tech stack, but people management, or the failure rate goes up to about 90%. So we want to introduce that, and you'll hear it from McKinsey this year that's partnered with us, and we'll bring you a lot of those th that thinking to you, but also the IDEO team that was here yesterday. Has. And last piece is policy, which is why at the end of Friday, we have a whole session on RTM codes and value-based care, because that is a huge driver of the economy today in healthcare. Put all that together and you get this. This is our first DocSF in 2017. This actually was our first faculty dinner at a pizza place down the street. We launched the concept of the pink socks. We had companies present on the side, in the rooms on the side, which is really fun. We grow. This is Mark. He was here yesterday. That was a year he started his own health hub process, Dr. Vail, on the side. We started having these meetings on the side with IDEO, a lot of design thinking, really clever ideas, people really connecting. And that's Dennis Boyle on the bottom left. And this got us to the point where we're actually having Matt Wilpers from Peloton come run a session with us on calisthenics in the morning. And this is 2020, and we're really doing well. And we brought great technologies. We introduced, at a time, it was early, this idea of telehealth. People weren't really buying into it. Of course, the following months, because this is January 2020, things changed. We got into all kinds of interesting technologies like meta reality for placement of spinal screws. We, of course, discussed robotics, of course, discussed uh, the use of computer vision and its impact on uh, everything from this example, which is physical therapy, holograms to help us visualize a complex anatomy. And we've had some companies that were startups here that have gone on to raise a whole lot of money and be extremely successful. And I also present this idea of confluence. I like it better than some other terms. Let's see if this works. But the idea here... Oh. Uh, this is Sol, yeah. Dr. Beanie's assistant. Hello, Sol. This is Tyler. I wanted to ask you about my recent surgery. Hey, Tyler. I see that you had a total knee replacement five days ago with Dr. Beanie. I have access to your records and can help you with any questions you may have. Thank you, Sol. First, I don't remember what they found as surgery. You know, I was a little out of it. No worries. I just read your operative report and reviewed the visual records from the operating room. You had exposed bone on both sides of the joint and a torn meniscus. These are both considered excellent indications for surgery so you can expect very good resolution of your symptoms. That's great. The live XR was kind of cool. So I'm glad it was correct. Also, the drone delivery with my medications arrived just as I got home, but I can't remember which pills to take or when. Can you tell me? Yes, of course. The discharge summary states that you should take the pain medicine about 20 minutes before you put on your headset for your virtual reality meditation therapy. And my leg, it's uh, a little swollen as well. Should I be concerned? First, let's run a thermal scan. You have my permission. Thank you. Voice print activation enabled. According to the scan, the skin surface temperature and tensile grade is not suggestive of any complication of a clot in your leg. Okay, well, that's super helpful, Sol. I feel much better. Yes, I can see and hear that. Your anxiety measures dropped seven points. <laughs> that's so cool how you can just see that. So, I don't know if you remember Mohan yesterday, for those of you who here, said that until you see it, until you feel it, you don't get it. This is what happens when you take one technology, pair it to another technology, link it to a third technology, then a fourth and a fifth. Drones for delivering medicine, avatars to have a humanistic conversation with the patient, a thermal scan. That's the only thing in that whole thing that doesn't exist. And I tried with 3M to make that happen. We couldn't quite get it to work. The ability of that avatar to link 
to your health record and read the results back to you, explain them, seem extremely futuristic in 2019 when I wrote this text. Today, you all see that as ChatGPT3. ChatGPT is learning at 10% per day. Its power is increasing 10% per day. It's doubling every seven days. Quote, unquote, Chat Altman, because he told a friend of mine at a coffee spot. So this is the future of telehealth, not Zoom. So when you start thinking about the technologies, when you go to see the vendors out there, think of yourself, what if they were linked? What could happen? And that's really the big, big bonus that you start to connect the dots when you get these ideas. So then what happened? Ha! Huh. Then we had a non-human-made virus show up, and that changed everything. And then we went virtual. And as I mentioned earlier, we got to 4,000, 5,000 people watching. We had a great partnership with the Academy that year. We did this twice, and then in January 2022, it looked like things were going to open up again. So we did a very quick put-together conference here last year, which also is very exciting, and we decided to push the envelope. We put everybody in 2035. We to ask all our speakers to tell us what the world will look like in 2035. All those videos are available. It was an extraordinary step into the future. I think Jared was blown away. That was your first doc, SF. And now we're here. Now it's 2023, and we're doing the digital transformation of outpatient surgery. And how far have we come? In 2017, when we brought in companies to talk to us, they're mostly outside of orthopedics. It was potential use in orthopedics. Today, we're going to hear an entire day of companies working specifically in our space. All the major players, the strikers of the world, are doing this work to bring us the technology and embedding it into our workspace. So what seems so futuristic six, seven years ago is now real. We've gone on to world domination. We have the experience, which is where you're at today. But we've also have now two years, we've been doing our own event at JPM, specifically focusing, took all the venture stuff out of DocSF because it appealed to a different audience and actually kept it at JP Morgan. We've been in Berlin. We just launched DocSF Japan last year. We've had webinars. And for those of you who drive, I highly recommend our podcast, the Digital Orthopedics Podcast. I introduce it, I close it, but all the content is from our speakers at the various DocSF events. And a lot of that information is kind of evergreen. And I think you'd really, really enjoy it. So what next? To some extent, I feel like we've achieved our goal. In other words, we brought the concept of digital orthopedics into the audience. It's out there. We're a pretty strong brand, and we're no longer the only ones talking about this. Pretty much every conference you go to will have some discussion on AI, or we'll talk to you about robotics, or talk about these technologies that six to seven years ago were unconscionable. So we'd like to also update our format. The economy has changed. People are not traveling quite so much. So we'll get to that and we'll be seeking input from everybody about how that should look. But the thing I'm interested in doing is this. How can we solve a big problem? We've created an amazing community. We have those of you here today, those have come before us, and also the thousands that follow us online. Now, remember I mentioned kinetic alignment way back when. There was a reason I mentioned that. Those of us who are fans of the technique were going up against 50 years of dogma and had to prove our point, that it's actually better. And as far as we could tell, with data available, something called patient-reported outcome measures, a sheet of paper handed to a patient before surgery, and again, perhaps at a year later, with 20 or 30 questions on it, that's the best we could do, apparently. We couldn't show us better. So I started to say, well, you know, we have these sensors. So I started strapping sensors on patients. 
but the data wasn't that great. If you look at all the data that's been published now on wearables, the R-squared values, the correlation of the data with the outcome you're looking for is in the 70% range. That's the best studies. And that is not good enough for clinical grade. So I was a little disappointed. So I went to TED, which I think an amazing place. A few conferences I go to to get inspired. One of them is TED. The other one is NextMed, which is Dale Crafts Conference. And I heard a talk from a fellow you hear from tomorrow. His name is Ivan. And Ivan gave this amazing talk. He was running a division at Google at the time. And the way he thought about sensors was so different from anything I'd ever heard before. I said, you know what? I need to track this guy down. So I have a lot of friends that work at Google. And sure enough, at some point, I got a hold of him. And I said, look, this is what I'm doing. I'm putting these sensors on people. I'm having them walk in the gay lab. And I just can't seem to correlate anything. And he goes, oh, you're doing it wrong. I say, what, what? No, hold on a second. Yeah. I'm not doing it wrong. So no, you're completely wrong. I'm like, okay, well, how do you do it? Well, it says you got to take the raw data, not the process data. You got to get each of the axes on that sconiometer and accelerometer, put them into a convolutional network, but not just any convolutional network. It has to be a sequence to sequence network. And then give me the output you're trying to find, and I'll find in that noise that pattern. Like, ah. Uh, I'm not looking for step counts, Ivan. I want to get knee angular moments, I, I, all these really crazy outputs that we can only get in a gate lab. Just let me see if we can do. This bottom graph looks like two overlaid. The difference is 0.05. The error rate, the mean error rate is 0.05. It is nearly a perfect replica of knee angular velocity in a patient walking in our gate lab, obtained from two sensors that cost about $20. What this told us is that we can take the most complex methodology that we have for measuring gait and make it accessible in the real world. We've never had, correct me if I'm wrong, the ability to collect real world data on a continuous basis in a way that we can then replicate motion. We haven't. And it's not because we didn't have the hardware, we've had the hardware for decades. How long we had the sensors for? At least 30, 40 years. They're getting cheaper, but what we didn't have is the ability to make sense of the raw data. That is the beauty of all this AI stuff that's coming down our pike, is we have a tremendous amount of data that we don't know what to do with. We don't know how to make sense of it. This allows us to make sense at least of this part of it. And what allows us to start thinking about is, is there a way for us to measure human mobility? Sounds like a stupid question. I agree. But what's the goal of all healthcare? I'm going to make this crazy statement. The entire goal of the entire healthcare system, every aspect of it, psychiatry, pediatrics, trauma surgery, spine, arthroplasty for sure, is to keep us moving. So you can be independent when you're older, so you can run if you're a kid, so you can play sports, so you can go to work every day, so you can interface with other humans. It's mobility. But do we have a way to measure it? How do you measure mobility? We don't have a measure of mobility. Certainly not one that's standardized, validated, as a normative data set is useful. Let's take it from the top. Standardization means not just the software that delivers the variable, but also the hardware that delivers it. So it has to be hardware agnostic. It has to be validated, not just in the United States, not just in males, but across the entire experience of humanity because the way we move in space differs. We have to have a normative data set. When you use your iWatch, iPhone, to track your step count, you're tracking it against yourself. For us in medicine to decide if someone's doing well or not well, we need to know how they're doing relative to someone like them. Peloton, I was in the gym this morning, that works so well because you get to choose who you compete with. You get to compete with people like you, your age, your gender. It's really, really compelling. And it has to be useful. It has to be something we can get our head around. 
it's a big ask, but I'm thinking that maybe we've built this community, the smartest and the brightest in musculoskeletal care. Can we take on a grand challenge? Can we leverage DocSF to move on to, to drive this idea of mobility as a vital sign? Now, I'd say that if our mission in 2017, 2023 was to catalyze the adoption of digital health tools in orthopedics, which I think to some extent is about providing education and creating community. Thank you for making that happen. Thank you for all of you who've come to DocSFs in the past and the future. But what does our future look like? And there's no slide here, because I'd like to have that conversation with any of you that have come to this conference. We're going to be sending this talk out into the world soon. But anybody that's been participating, sponsors, attendees, friends of DocSF, let's have this conversation. This is a great, grand concept that we have the ability to potentially tackle for the first time in the history of humanity is measuring in a way that we can then collect data, measure mobility, we can collect data and optimize the work that we do on a daily basis. What we have to get past when we look at technology is, in my opinion, emotion. Technology is. It's not good. It's not bad. It just is. Healthcare is not affordable. Healthcare as we know it is not scalable. The alternative has to be digital. It's the only way we'll move forward. It's not good. It's not bad. It's not that the old way of doing things and me giving you a hug when you come into the office is better than doing it virtually. It's just that if I can't see you because you live 200 miles away and there's no doctor anywhere near you, the virtual version is better than no healthcare at all. So with that, thank you for letting me frame it. Thank you for supporting DocSF and uh, welcome to DocSF 2023. Thank you for listening to the Digital Orthopedist Podcast. If you find the talks as incredibly informative and topical as we do, please share this podcast with your friends and leave a nice review on your podcast player of choice. It would mean a lot to us if you did. 